0: Well, good morning my name is Mark Simons I'm a a member here at Rolling Hills Community Church been here for about 10 years and I'm a father of three young men Caleb Luke and Justin and I'm married to Julie so way back when I was hired on the police force and I was 20 years old and I spent 30 years in my career in the same department and during that time you learned about chain of command you know the hierarchy I had a supervisor who took my title working in the Warrant Division and changed it to where I had to work domestic abuse cases. I did not enjoy doing that, but over time I honored him by just doing because that was his priority, so it became my priority. My partner and I said we learned how to be better policemen. And so we really redeemed us in that we called ourselves the Relationship Police. And then we learned how to really work with women mostly that were victims of abuse and learn how to come alongside of them in their in their struggle in this really dark time in their life and and even bring them the man into the picture and sometimes even redeem the relationship so that's something i never saw coming and if you would have asked me during that during the time of it i would have never guessed that i would be a better person for it but i think god really did redeem that Nothing works to me, it doesn't really, the world doesn't work unless you're honoring those who are put in authority. It just models everything, it models, you know, a husband and wife and the mutual respect and honor, you know, it honors a father and a son or a parent and a a child, it just... My son, who's 18, was my student for several years from 6th grade all the way through 12th grade in the youth group. And this last year, he graduated and I asked him if he would consider coming back and team teaching with me, the ninth grade boys. And his response was, I was wondering where you're gonna get around to that dad, which just warmed my heart, right? And I believe that's, you know, he's leading and I I look at those young men that were teaching and at first I thought, well, they'd be looking to me as the senior man and they're looking at my son and they just love him and they're like, he's the the guy now, he's the guy. And I just think that's such an awesome legacy to pass on to my son. Now he can bring up young men in the faith much like I did when I was his leader. Wow, well,
1: good morning, church. Good morning. I love these stories each week from different people in our church as they correspond in our series. We're in this great series called I Am David, and we're finding our story in the story of this guy in the Bible in the Old Testament, and yet his story is so rich and so deep in what God was doing in his life, and we're seeing that in our story today. 3,000 years later, what God is doing in our lives and in our walk with the Lord. And we started the first week, we talked about how David was chosen, right? God called this guy Samuel and said, hey, go anoint the new king because Saul, the current king, I've rejected him. You know, he's turned his heart from me. He's become arrogant. And and so I'm calling out a new king. And so Samuel goes down to to David's house and Jesse, his dad, brings out the seven older sons. and, And Samuel's like, is this it? You know, and he's like, well, I got my young one out taking care of the sheep. I didn't even bring him in. I didn't think he would like measure up to be a king. And Samuel's like, go get him. And, and he brings him in and Samuel sees and God says, hey, I look, you know, at the heart. And look at the heart of this guy right here, the 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old. I have chosen him. And so Samuel just whispers in his ear, you are chosen. You are chosen, David. You're going to be the next king. And this won't happen officially for 10 More years. But God is working in his heart. And we said the first week that God has chosen you. God has chosen you. God in his sovereignty has chosen you for a time such as this. And for us to hold on to him. For us to trust him. For us to follow him. Last week we saw as David comes up against a giant his first big challenge right Goliath nine feet nine inches and everybody is scared and they're standing on the ridge and they won't go down and David takes the step of faith and obedience and he picks up these five smooth stones to face the giant and David defeats him in the name of the Lord and for all of us there's gonna be giants that we face maybe you're facing a giant today in your life Maybe it's something medical, maybe it's something relational, maybe it's something financial. But listen, I want to tell you this, our God is greater. Our God is greater. The spirit of God in you is greater than what's in the world. And for us to hold on to God, for us to trust God. And then what we're going to see unfold today is this honoring those above us. Honoring those above us. And David is put in this situation now. He's under the king, the current king, Saul. And now David knows he's been chosen, but David is being patient And waiting for God's timing and not his own timing. And trusting God even in the midst of this. And so watch this story unfold today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up and back with me to 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18. Old Testament, kind of toward the front of the Bible. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books. The Law, the Torah, the Pentateuch. And then you go Joshua as they come into the Promised Land. Judges who rule over before the kings. Ruth. Ruth. This is a great book right before 1 Samuel and then 1 Samuel, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, that area. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one and just follow along with us because God's word is so rich and so deep. We'll also put the words on the screen. But pick up here in verse 1, 1 Samuel 18. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul. Okay, so remember the context. David has just dropped this Philistine giant, boom, stone in the head falls flat, cuts off his head, then they rout the Philistines, they've just won this huge battle, David's coming back, Saul, the current king's like, who is this? You know, what I mean, like this 22, 23-year-old, being I mean, will be like, what the, where did this kid come from? So he's talking with David, and after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan, that is Saul's son, who's probably about the same age as David, It's it, Jonathan's a warrior himself, I mean, Jonathan had like, you know, killed 20 Philistines earlier. I mean, he is strong. They become one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. These guys become best buds, man. They are tight, and we're going to see next week the godly friendship here. But from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing, and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Remember, David's just this peasant kid, man. He's taking care of the sheep. So he goes at Goliath with a staff and with five stones and a sling. And Jonathan's like, hey, I'm going to upgrade you. You know, here's a sword, here's a tunic, right? Here's my belt. And whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Wait a minute. What's happened here? Verse 8. Saul was very angry with this refrain. It displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Jealousy. The seed of jealousy in Saul. And all of a sudden, things change. We don't don't think about jealousy as being a big sin you know, I mean it's not like a major sin, it's not like murder or stealing, you know. I mean, it's just it's just a little jealousy, right? But boy, jealousy has a slippery slope. It didn't go down quick. And in our lives, man, there's gonna be times that we start to get jealous. And maybe you've been fighting against this. And maybe there's a coworker, and you're just like, man, why do they get everything? And they go, like, well, what in the world? Or maybe it's a sibling, or maybe it's somebody in your life, but But boy, don't let that take root. You let that take root, and I'm telling you, it is a slippery slope. Look what happens here. Skip to verse 12. Saul was afraid. Here's Saul, the king. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. Why didn't Saul get on his knees and confess? Why didn't Saul say, God, I need you. God, help me. Because he was arrogant. He was prideful. And he let this jealousy well up inside of him. So he sent David away from him and he gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Saul said to David, here's my older daughter Meribah. I give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul thought to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. (laughs) So you see how it's starting to go, this downward spiral. Saul's like, hey, maybe something bad will happen to him. I'll send him out into battle. He gives him the hand of his older daughter, right? Which if you go back to 1 Samuel 17, if you defeated Goliath... You're supposed to get the king's daughter in marriage. And so he makes good on that promise. But look at David's humility. But David said to Saul, who am I? And what is my family or my clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? So when the time came for Meribah, Saul's daughter to be given to David. She was given in marriage to Adriel of Malo. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought. So that she may be a snare to him and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. Then Saul ordered his attendants, speak to David privately and say, look, the king likes you and his attendants all love you. Now become his son-in-law. They repeated these words to David, but David said, do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. And so Saul says, hey, tell David, just go kill 100 Philistines and bring back proof. I'll let you read what the proof was, okay? You can kind of keep reading there. I won't tell you about that. You read on if you want to. But, but he says, go kill because he thinks I'm going to put him in harm's way, right? I'm going to put him out there. Well, David and his men, they go out and they kill 200 Philistines. This is like gladiator or braveheart, okay? I mean, they go out and they take out 200 Philistines and they bring back proof that he killed these 200 Philistines and Saul's like, okay, here you go. Well, when Saul, verse 28, realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michael, loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. Look at verse one of chapter 19. Saul told his son, Jonathan, and all the attendants to kill David. Whoa. I mean, this all of a sudden went from a little jealousy to now, I want you to take them out. You know, in our lives, guys, when we see jealousy start to move to, I hope something bad happens to them. We don't say it right, but in our minds, we kind of go, oh, they didn't get that promotion. Oh, that happened. Oh, they didn't win that, you know. Then we start to go, whoa, 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 slippery slope. We're elevating ourselves over somebody else. We're afraid of their success. And that's what was happening here to Saul. He tells Jonathan, his own son, go kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him. My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, "'Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He's not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you wrong, do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason?' Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. <laughs> but that oath didn't last long. Skip down to verse 9. But an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in his house with the spirit in his hand. Let's stop there for a second. An evil spirit from the Lord? I mean, what is that? Right? Well, if you remember, the spirit of God has left Saul. God's rejected Saul because Saul was supposed to be the king and lead God's people. And he's become arrogant and prideful and not trusting in God. And so the spirit of God's left him. But now he's tempted. God doesn't cause sin. But God allows temptation to happen. And temptation is not a sin. Temptation is an opportunity for us to choose the right thing. When you're tempted, next time you're tempted, just go, hey, listen, I got an opportunity here. It's like a test. I could choose to do the right thing. Or I can give in to the temptation. And God in his sovereignty allows that. And here's Saul. He's sitting there. He's tempted right now. And with a spear in his hand. While David was playing the lyre, Verse 10. Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. But David eluded him. As Saul drove the spear to the wall. And that night David made good on his escape. I think that was a smart move, right? Get out. Run. Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him, If you do not run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let David down through a window and he fled and escaped. This is like Mission Impossible or something, man. I mean, like going down through the window, climbing out. Then Michael took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with garment and putting some goat hair on the bed And when Saul sent his men to capture David, Michael said he's ill. Like, you know, man, this thing is all playing out here. But look at verse 18. When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Now remember, Samuel's the prophet who came and anointed him. And he goes down to Ramah and he's like, Samuel, I don't understand. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm trying to help the king and here he is trying to kill me, what do I do, what do I do? Well, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down, 1 Samuel 18 and 19, there's some truths for us to live by And, and I want you to get these today, I think these are important for all of us. First is this, we are called to honor those over us. We're called to honor those over us. Now for some of you, this is easy, right? You are so blessed, you've always had a great boss, Man, I mean, they've just been fantastic to work for. You've had great parents. It's been easy to honor them. You know, you've had great coaches. You've had great teachers. You, if you are like that, please take some time to send an email or text or something. Just say thank you, thank you, thank you. But some of you, you can relate to the story. Some of you have been there. (laughs) You had a boss who just didn't like you. Maybe you have that right now. And you're like, I have no idea what I've done. I'm doing my best for the company. I'm making money for the company. I'm doing great. I mean, why did they not like me? I don't understand it. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you had a parent. It just you couldn't please them. You just couldn't do it. You've been in this tough spot, in this tough place. And, you're, and yet, we're called to honor those over us. We're called to honor those over us. David shows respect for the person and the position. David shows respect for Saul. He, he realizes that Saul is his father in law. He realizes Saul is his best friend's dad. He realizes Saul is a child of God. He doesn't try to usurp the throne, he doesn't try to badmouth Saul, he doesn't run him down, he doesn't try to take over. He shows respect for the person and the position. What begins here in chapter 18? In 19, we'll go on for five more chapters. Saul is going to be chasing David all around. And and David has opportunities to come back and kill Saul. He's going to have opportunities, but he won't. He's going to show respect for the position. He's going to say, that's the Lord's anointed. And you know the powerful thing about this? When David does ultimately become king, what's he established? Hey, don't take down the Lord's anointed. Show respect for that. See, maybe you're in a tough spot right now, but one day you may be the boss. One day you may be the one in charge. David shows respect. David honors Saul even though Saul doesn't deserve it. And so many times in our lives, man, when people don't deserve it, it's easy for us to kind of, hey, cut them down, talk about them behind their back, kind of say things. But, but David honors Saul even though he doesn't deserve it. David set healthy boundaries in his relationship with Saul. And this is important today, guys. There comes a point, right, as David honors him and he respects him, but when Saul takes a spear and tries to pin David into a wall, David's like, I'm out, okay? This is not healthy. I'm out of here, right? You gotta set healthy boundaries. And if you're in a relationship, and I'll just be right here on the right here, if you're in a relationship where there is abuse, Verbal abuse, any kind of abuse, emotional abuse, get out, get help. Get help. We have a counselor on our staff, Cindy Hayes, who's amazing, and she'll see you for free. We we want to help you if you're in those situations. Amy Alexander at the Refuge Center, amazing ministry and counselors. But man, go. What does David do? He doesn't stay there. He goes down to his pastor, he goes down to Samuel, he goes down to get help. He goes down and says, Hey. I need help. And if David, a warrior, is going to say, hey, help me in this situation, we all need help at different times in our lives. And David set healthy boundaries. He didn't stay right there. David couldn't control how Saul acted, but David could control how he himself responded. And I think that's for all of us. We can't control those over us so many times, but we can control how we respond. You know, if you go to Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he says, honor those in the government, honor those in authority over you. What's interesting in the book of Romans is he's writing to the church that's being persecuted by the Romans. You're thinking, wow, how how do you do that? But Christians before us lived it out, honored in such a way that the entire Roman Empire was transformed. In less than 300 years, Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome. Transformed a nation because of honor and respect. Not just taking it over, right? Uh, Ten Commandments, uh, Ten Commandments, right? It says, honor your father and mother. Now, there's not an expiration date on that commandment, okay? It it, it doesn't say honor your father and mother until you're in middle school and you know more than they do, okay? (laughs) It doesn't say that, right? It says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. It's the first commandment with a promise. Now you don't honor your father and mother so that it can go well with you. I mean, it's not just like, what's the benefit for me? It's like to honor them. I want to honor and respect them. And as you think about this, it's powerful that David honors a king. When David becomes king, he gets the honor. And as children, when we honor our parents, our kids watch how we respond to our parents and our kids one day will treat us in the same way. Right? For all of us, there's this call to honor. Number two, get this. Grow your heart for God. Grow your heart for God. There goes about five to seven years of Saul chasing David. And in those five to seven years, David remains a man after God's heart. David was godly in his victories as well as in his challenges. I think this is what set this guy apart. This is why his name is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. I mean, he was, he was passionate about God, the victories. God, I need your strength. I'm gonna come at Goliath. He's coming at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I'm coming at him in the name of the Lord. I'm giving you the glory. But he was also in the challenges. God, I need you. God, I need you. I'm relying on you. David's heart was one of humility and character. And this is what separated him from Saul. Saul becomes a king and becomes arrogant. David remained humble. Who am I that I should become the son-in-law of the king? I mean, listen, it's God who's done this. I'm going to hold on to him, his heart for humility and character. While David was running from Saul, he was running to God. While David was running from Saul, he was running to God. Uh, What's really powerful is we're tracking here in 1 Samuel... But if you were to turn over to the Psalms, which are in the middle of the Bible, there's 150 Psalms, which which were written mostly by David. And if you start to kind of do a cross-reference, you can find parallel Psalms that were written at different times in David's life. And and, and I love that we're doing a daily step, which, you know, we read a Bible passage uh, every day. You can get the Rolling Hills app. But we're reading through the Psalms while we're studying David this summer. And David wrote many of these psalms during this time. And so when he's going through all these challenges, when he's facing all this kind of persecution, he's writing down to God. He wrote Psalm 7, he wrote Psalm 27, he wrote Psalm 31, he wrote Psalm 34, he wrote Psalm 52, all during this time. And when you start to read those, you see his heart for God. Now think about this. If somebody were to read your journal... (laughs) When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a challenge, what would they find? Would they find, here's a man or a woman who's saying, God, I trust you. God, I'm holding on to you. God, I need you. Or would they find, man, God, what is going on? I mean, what is going on in your heart? God was growing David, but God was growing David's heart. God was maturing him and preparing him to be the king and preparing him to lead even in the midst of the challenges. All right. Understand the impact of a father. Today is Father's Day. Today is Father's Day. And I'm thankful for every dad who is in this room or watching. Because I'm just thankful for your impact. But think about the fathers in David's life. Jesse, his own father, didn't think he measured up. Didn't think he would be king, right? He had seven other sons out there. And then Saul, his father-in-law, tried to kill him. Thanks, dad. You know, like, you carry that with you. David carried that in his life. Why? Because we all desire, we all desire a father's blessing. We all desire a father's blessing. You know, I'm a dad. I've got three daughters and they're amazing. I love, I love them. And every time we're together, right, they're, they're always doing something. They're like, dad, watch this. Dad, watch this, right? They're always doing that. And I think back in my life growing up, I was the same way. I remember playing sports, and you know, if I would hit a basket in basketball or something, I'd look in a crowd to see my dad, you know. It was just always that kind of thing. It's innate in all of us. We desire this Father's blessing. Uh, my dad and I, that's what we, we connected through sports uh, growing up. That's how we, we really kind of connected and grew our relationship, and, and my dad loved to play baseball, and so I Played baseball and then I played basketball. And I remember in high school, we, our high school was really big. And so we got to a point where you had to choose and we couldn't play both sports because the coaches wanted you in know, off season. And in my sophomore year, I chose basketball. And, and my dad loved baseball, you know. So, but, but we just always, he was always at games and he was there. About four years ago, um, my dad went home to be with Jesus. And I'll remember being at Vanderbilt uh, Vanderbilt Hospital and I'm sitting by his bed it's like a couple of nights before he he passed and and I'm there and my dad like kind of leans up and he says, Jeff Jeff, and I'm thinking this is it man, this is like the father's blessing, right, this is that moment right, that you hear about, you know, I'm like yeah dad, and he's like, Jeff and I'm like, yeah, and so I'm leaning in you know, he's like, Jeff and I'm like, yeah, and he's like you should have stuck with baseball <laughs> I'm like, great, thanks dad you know, so, so That was my blessing right there So I should have stuck with baseball But, but really it was, it was funny but, but what I realized then is this Is that a, a blessing doesn't always come at the end There's blessings that are given along the way And, and for David, he wasn't getting that from his dad Jesse. He wasn't getting that from Saul So what did he do? He went to Samuel He found this mentor in his life And if you are here today and you don't have a strong dad, you don't have a strong influence in your life, hey, find a godly mentor. Find somebody who's going to step in, who's going to believe in you, who's going to bless you, who's going to be there for you. That's what church is for. That's why we have mom to mom. That's why we have men's groups. That's why we have community groups and to have people around you. We all need that. You know, the millennials and Generation Z have been called the fatherless generation. Because so many are growing up without a dad in the home. And you see the impact on our country, you see the impact on their lives. But that's where the church steps in. And I'm so thankful if you're here, this morning, you serve in preschool or children or students, thank you. If you went to kids camp or student camp, thank you. Because our kids need godly mentors. What's amazing, as a dad, you know, I can say something to my kids. And I'll tell them, you know, they're middle school, high school now, you know, and I'll say something like, yeah, right, dad, whatever. Yeah, get the eye roll thing, you know. And then another adult will come and say the exact same thing. And they'll go like, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, you're wise. You're like, what? You know, <laughs> it happens, right? So don't you want them around godly adults? Don't you want them around, people who are going to speak truth? Yes, and that's what church is. We have incredible leaders in getting them into small groups and helping them find people who will bless them. We all need someone to believe in us. Guys, we all need someone to believe in us. You know, my dad didn't grow up in church. So That was, they grew up kind of going hit or miss there. And uh, then he went off and played baseball. And then he went uh, at college. And then he went into the Korean conflict. And, and after all that, he met my mom and my mom led my dad to the Lord. And then he got so involved in church. I mean, he just loved church. Him and my mom would lead Sunday school classes. He was a deacon. He was always greeting. I mean, he just loved being at church. We were at church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we were always there. And and my dad was in business. And so I always thought I'm going to go in business because that's what my dad did, you know, and, and then God called me to ministry, my dad was so great about that kind of calling in my life. But I'll never forget when uh, God called us to plant Rolling Hills and I called my dad and I was thinking, oh, man, how's this going to go down? You know, it's like my dad's going to be like, okay, you're married. What are you thinking? You know, and what about salary? What about, you know, insurance? And, and I called my dad and I said, dad, I feel like God's um, calling us to plant a church. You know, I'm a leave my current job where I am and things are going great but I feel like God's calling us to step out in faith and plant church and my dad says you know what son I'm proud of you and I'm gonna be the first one to pray for you and I'm gonna be the first one to write a check what do we need to do I'm praying for you I believe in you and I just always remember that I just held on to that it's like yes let's go And guys, we all need somebody to believe in us. We all do. And I want you to know, as your pastor. I believe in you. I believe in what God's doing in your heart, in your life. I believe God's not finished with any of you. God has an incredible plan for you. Hold on to him and trust him. And surround yourself with godly people who are gonna pour into you and believe in you. And David was wise enough to get with Samuel. He was wise enough to have somebody who says, hey, God's still with you. I was there. God said he's the one, David, you hold on to God. You stay true to God. Look at this one. Become a person worthy of honor. You become a person worthy of honor. David did. Honor is not a title. Honor is not a title that's given. It it is not a position. It is earned. Honor is earned. You know, Saul lost it. Saul lost it, but David earned it. Saul became prideful and arrogant. He thought it was all about him. He thought he knew more everybody else and he becomes cocky. He doesn't need God. David was humble. And boy, he earned it, he earned it. You become a person of honor. This is your time. This is your time. And you become that, become a person, a man or a woman Worthy of honor. And the way you do that, I believe, is this. You give a blessing. Give a blessing to those around you. You know, I thought the blessing had to come like I, on the deathbed right there, you know. But what I realized is, no, my dad had been blessing me all along the way. My dad had been poured into me all along the way. My dad had been giving me that confidence, that assurance that I needed. You give that blessing. You give that blessing you know you tell your family you love them you speak love over them my, my wife Lisa she grew up and her dad never said I love you it was part of that older generation they just didn't say it right oh we're not gonna say that you know it's like what But my wife is the most amazing mom, and she tells our kids all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you. She's going to make sure that they know. You know, as their dad, I tell my daughters all the time I love them. I want them to know that they are loved. I don't want them going and looking for some hairy-legged boy to tell them, hey, I love you, you know what? I don't want some, them selling for some clown because they didn't get love at home. I want them to have this standard where they go, no way, you don't measure up, chump. My dad loves me more than that. You know, you better step up your game because <laughs> you ought to be loved, man. That's us. Guys, that's us. And this is our time. Let's love that way. But sometimes, you know, men are like, well, I told her I loved her when we got married. You know, and you're like, what? No, say it mean it, believe it they need to, it. need to hear it, we all need to hear it we all need to hear it, we all need to hear it you be a person worthy of honor because you give that blessing you be generous, you be kind you pour it out on people at work you don't have to worry about oh they're getting a wrong up on me who cares, you love them you point them to Jesus you share the grace that God has given you with others hey, allow Jesus to live and love through you You know what? Lisa doesn't need to be married to me. Lisa needs to be married to Jesus. (laughs) Lisa needs me growing in the word. Lisa needs me loving her unconditionally. Just like Jesus loves her and loves me. My girls, man, they need Jesus as a dad. You dive into the word and allow Christ to live through you. That's how you stay humble. That's how you stay kind. That's how you can not be jealous of other people, but you can encourage other people and go, hey, I want you to be your best. I want you to achieve your goals. I want you to achieve your dreams. I'm cheering you on. I'm not worried you're getting ahead of me. It's all right. I know Jesus. He's got my salvation. My life is secure in him. And then the last one is this. God is the perfect father. Guys, just know that today. On this Father's Day, I'm so glad you're here because we want to worship our father. And he is the perfect father. David didn't project onto God the failings of those in his life. And some people do, right? Some people are like, well, I didn't have a great dad. I didn't have a great mom. God, why did you do this to me? But David didn't do that. David found his worth and his value in God. God was enough for him. God is perfect. God is perfect and he is for you. Just just look real quick here, Psalm 27. This is what David wrote during this time of being chased by Saul. David writes, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The king? Oh, come on. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? you afraid today? Is there fear in your heart and your life? Turn to God. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident God's got this. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hey, that's all I want, huh? I don't have to have recognition. I don't have to, you know, all this other stuff. I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of the of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Skip down to verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Though my father and mother forsake me. Maybe you're here today and you've walked that journey. But I want you to know this, the Lord will receive you. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressor's Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes for false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David waits for God. David will become king in about five to seven more years. But in this time of waiting, he is growing deep in his love for the Lord. David's going to end up ruling for 40 years. Why? Because God's building his character in the midst of the hard times, in the midst of the trials, that he can stand as king and point people to God. You, are son, or daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he loves you. Find your worth and your value in him. Allow God to be your personal, your father, your personal father. Let him be enough for you. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God's here in this place. And God loves you more than you even love yourself. And he's been at work in your life from day one. The moment you were conceived, God has his hand on you and says, you are mine. And you are chosen. You are redeemed. Maybe this morning's a day of salvation. Just say, Lord, I need you. I've become arrogant or prideful. Jesus, you be the Lord of my life. You be the joy of my heart. Maybe this morning there's some jealousy, it's kind of taking root inside your heart and you just say, oh Father God, I confess that to you, take it away. Maybe this morning you just need to go, God, let me be a blessing to others. Don't me worry about getting the credit, God, just let me be a person who tells people I love them and I believe in them. God, use me. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples. We've gathered here today because you are our Father. Thank you, God, for your sovereignty. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. And I pray this morning, God, we would find our worth and our value in you. God, we know that there'll be people around us who who may not act the way we want them to. But Lord, I pray as far as it depends on us, that we would act with honor and with love and with grace. And so fill us with your spirit, God, just as you filled David. And use us, God, in our day and our generation for your glory. We love you, God. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, amen.